The Rubbish Podcast. This is The Rubbish Podcast, hosted by the Lagom Chef. Hello, my name's Martin, aka the Lagom Chef. Um, welcome to the Rubbish Podcast. This is the first, this is, I say, this is the intro. This podcast, the Rubbish Podcast, is basically an open conversation with chefs, foodies, mates, and other people that give a shit about the planet. You know, we will explore their earliest memories of food, you know, how food waste enters their culin- culinary arena, and how food has changed their life and, you know, basically built their careers. So, you know, when I talk about creativity, I don't mean creativity like molecular gastronomy, you know, and all of that far-fetched stuff. I mean creativity in the sense of just like broadening your perspective on how we can use an ingredient in a variety of different ways. And I believe that talking about food waste, educating people on the matter is an amazing starting point. With, you know, being creative, I've done this series called The Potato Diaries, where I aim to show you how to use the potato in as many ways as possible. And by doing this, what I believe you can kind of like, you can follow me here, is that if, for example, you had like a jacket potato, and then you would pair that with tuna and sweet corn or chicken or something like that. But then if you can cook that potato a different way, then it unlocks another ingredient, i.e. you did Dauphinoise potatoes, then it could pair with chicken or it could pair with lamb or something like that. So by unlocking one ingredient, you can then unlock loads and loads of other ingredients. And that kind of like ripples through everything if you did it with peppers and so on and so forth. So this is where I'm trying to be creative and educate people on how to cook things in different ways. The reason I'm doing this is because food waste is ridiculous. I try not to swear because I know my mum and dad are listening, but you know, with over 70% of all food waste coming from the homes in the UK, something is severely broken. Um, so I wanted to use my experience as a chef to inspire you to take action. You know, f- food waste is bleak, the stats are horrific, and global warming is real, you know. And what we need to understand is that global warming is in the title is a global issue. It's not just a localized issue. It affects someone on the other side of the planet. So with food waste being a massive issue in the UK, if we can sort that out, then, you know, the world can be a better place. But also the topic is so fucking bleak. I do believe that we can have a little bit of fun, a little bit of banter, you know, and try and, you know, be creative and fun with what we're trying to do to try and fix the problem. I'm not a weird, you know, crusty hippie, if that's what they've been coined. I'm just a normal guy who cares and wants to make a change. So something I've I've wrote down and I always go back to is, this quote that I kind of put together is, I want to radically shake up the culture of food waste elitism by showing people how easy it is to live a healthy, sustainable life. You know, food waste is so elitist, you know, it's all very like sustainability kind of comes across very highbrow. And, you know, the people that are actually going to make a change are the people that don't know about it. So they're the people that need to be educated, not the people that are always there in it every single day. It's the people that don't know what they have to do to make a change. And there is a phrase called greenwashing, where companies and people give themselves sustainable credentials to make it look like they care. And, you know, this really does my nutting. Just because you make, you know, one zero waste flipping vegan frangipan doesn't mean that you are now a fucking eco chef. Zero waste cooking has almost become, you know, a bit buzzy and a bit hip and a bit, you know, bordering on tipping over the edge into the world of East London hipsters. You know, they're all setting up a business with mum and dad's money to show that they care, but deep down, they're just doing it because it's on trend 
Another thing that I always say is I'm not doing this because it's trendy. There is a real fucking problem. So going back to the greenwashing, that's what I'm saying. I'm here because I genuinely care about food, about sustainability, about the world. I'm, I don't understand it all. And I'm not going to say I understand it all. You know, I, I talk to chefs um, like my friend Connor Spacey, who, who will be a guest on the podcast. And you know, he knows stuff inside out about all of the intricacies of like avocados, nuts and salmon farming and all of this and palm oil. I'm only scratching the surface. I'm looking at it from the very simplistic approach that, you know, if we buy food, we bring it into the home, we cook it, we eat it. If we don't cook it and we don't eat it, what the fuck are we doing? Why did we buy it in the first place? So look, I, I love to teach, I love to cook, and now I have a son, and I really want to be, you know, like a positive role model to him, and also try and, you know, help save the planet from imminent destruction, so that he can hang out with his kids in the future. I know it sounds a bit bleak, but it kind of is true. I don't know how many generations, maybe 100, 200 years time, but you know, that is real. You know, what if the world isn't there? What if he has kids and they can't get to play? Anyway, so... As this is like the intro podcast, I just thought I'd tell you a little bit about me if you don't know who I am. Um, so I had a, you know, I had a pretty, pretty ordinary childhood. I was naughty. I was maybe, you know, a little bit cheeky. Well, I was the cheeky one. Um, but I was introduced to cooking through my parents. You know, we 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 ate pretty much anything. They 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 let us try a lot of food. Um, my mum sort of, you know not forced me into cooking but she said you know you've you've got a good talent here because I used to bake you know every weekend I remember making really ridiculous things like I'd make baked bean ice cream and just serve it to my dad and he hates baked beans by the way um and I'd make drop scones pretty much every single day on the on, on our agar how middle class am I having an agar but I have so many amazing memories of food that it almost is like, you know, the, the one link throughout everything that I've had in my history. And I, you know, I have, I have memories of cheese in France. Um, like we used to go to France on family holidays and just smelling it from like one side of the garden to the other. And it was mental. Then like going to restaurants and just tasting butter and being like, this, this is, this is, this stuff is off, you know, and alioli or aioli or whatever it is and having that in Spain and, you know, trying this stuff with like warm crusty bread on the beach. It's just like, you know, these things are, you know, memories that I have and this is what cooking and food is all about. You know, moving forward into my into my late teens, uh, let's just say I had some pretty bizarre events that um, sort of made me reconsider everything. Um, I ended up going to no 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 sort of parent issues, just you know, just like I was a kid when I so I ended up getting you know leaving England, went to Australia and went travelling, um, and had a very weird um, experience where I ended up being a puppeteer. If you kind of want to look into my past, you can have a look. It's amazing. One of the most amazing experiences I had. I had three years um, traveling with this um, this comedy company all around the world, um, and it was amazing. But every time I came back to London, there was always something that um, something that was missing, and I, I kind of realised it was food and my creative edge is what I was I was losing. So I started working in restaurants. I started in Soho, obviously, flamboyance. Um, started working in Soho at this amazing restaurant called Andrew Edmonds, and I spent three years there. Um, at, the, at the same time, I was kind of like, you know, looking where to go next. And I was like, oh, I want to be one of those chefs that, you know, does the hardcore stuff. So I went to this restaurant called Floridita and um, it was very, very bizarre. I, I I wanted to go there to sort of be shouted at and have that kind of like chefy lifestyle. I lasted six months. I gave up. It was uh, it was just horrendous. And everyone there was like twats, really. It was just a, a place that was just very toxic and it it wasn't for me. So 
after that, I, I went to a place called uh, the Tufnell Park Tavern in Tufnell Park and had an amazing couple of years there, met some incredible people. But again, I was like always looking for this something else. So I, I, I signed up and did a, a digital photography degree. Um, and at the same time, I took another job at uh, the London Underground Cookery School, where I worked for five years while I was doing my degree. So I was like full time at the cookery school, full time doing my degree. And it was amazing. You know, my degree wasn't full time. It was like one day a week. It was a bit arty and a bit whatever. But um, yeah, I, doing big corporate events, you know, looking after people, you know, I loved it. Chatting to the, the customers and really building rapport with them is something that I really enjoyed. And that's the reason I stayed there for five years because our boss was an absolute legend. Um, in between all of that, I was doing like contract catering so i was working on big events i was working in festivals at one point i was starting um, a job down in chelsea doing crew catering it wasn't even fancy i was basically like warming up sausages and stuff but i was doing six in the morning till um two three in the afternoon then going straight to the cookery school starting there at four and finishing at 11 so i was doing solid 16 hour days pretty much for about six months leading up to christmas and this is something that you know I had the energy for it. I loved it. I was really enjoying it. It wasn't something that I, I hated. And it was um, it was such amazing experiences. And all of these jobs, I learned something new. And I think this is the thing that I find with cooking is that you, you pick up things. You know, you could go and do, you know, a, a cooking course. But at the end of the day, you will learn more on the job, all the tricks, all the little ins and outs, all the intricacies of cooking you learn while you're at you know, a restaurant or a big catering company or something like that. I did a, a four-week intensive cooking course down in Ashburton, one of the, the best things I could have done. And it just gave me the confidence to go, you know what, Mark, you can cook. So um, don't worry about it, just go and get experience. I'm fully obsessed with cooking. I, I immerse myself, you know, I'm not one of those people that just sort of dips his toe in. I was, you know, like I said, 16-hour days, just full on. And I realised that I used to be, I used to play rugby to quite a high-ish level. Um, and... I realized that I'd kind of let myself go. Um, you know, I was I was smoking, I was drinking, I, I partied, you know, I basically burnt the candle at every single end that was possible. And I didn't really notice it, but I did get a little bit chunky, um, a little bit puffy. Um, and it was just um, a bit of a reality shock where I think, you know, one Christmas we were doing really long shifts and I finished and then, you know, we didn't have any work all through January and I looked at myself and was a bit like, mate, what have you done to yourself? I had hair down to my shoulders, a massive beard. I was chubby and there was a picture of me, I think, smoking a cigarette, peeling potatoes and I was like, oh my God, things need to change. So in, yeah, I don't even know what year it is, January, let's just say 2015, I decided to like get up and just go, right, let's test yourself, Mark, let's see where you're at. And I, I did a 10K run and it was hell it was so so horrendous it took me about an hour and 15 minutes and if you're into running an hour and 15 minutes for a 10k for someone that used to be pretty healthy is pretty pretty bad and I was really gutted and I was like oh no but it kind of like spurred me on I was like right you know I've uh, my shifts at work are pretty chill it's doing mainly day work so I was like you know what I'll run back and forwards to work and I think it was four miles so it was like you know just under 10k so I was like oh that's pretty doable so I'd run into work I'd do my shift and I'd run back and within six months I was fitter than I, I'd ever been I, I got so so obsessed and um, I read this book called Born to Run by Scott Jurek and uh, not by Scott Jurek but Scott Jurek's in it by this guy called Chris McDougall 
and I became fully, fully obsessed. And my run went from an hour and 15 minutes down to 38 minute 10K, which, you know, I'm not, not blowing my own trumpet, but that was um, pretty fast and I was pretty chuffed with that. Um, but then things just like escalated, like in a really positive way, but things escalated. I went, um, you know, from running a 10K to signing up to a triathlon. Um, I did the Olympic triathlon at um, the XL, uh, had a great time, you know, really enjoyed myself. And I was like, right, what's next? Um, like with me, like it's always what's next. It's never like, well done, Mark. Congratulations. Sit down, have a cup of tea. It's like, right, what's next? So I entered a half Ironman, um, you know, which is Dublin Olympic. And I was like, great, I did that. And then I woke up on my birthday really, really hungover in November. And I always remember this. And there was a company called Brutal Events Company. Um, and obviously by their name, they do brutal events. Uh, they do the world's hardest Ironman. I think it got crowned three years in a row. Uh, they do these things called Midnight Mountain Marathon, but then the one that stuck out was they were looking for a blogger for this race called the Wanna. Um, it's an 86-mile trail run um, from, I think it's Charmouth, I always get this wrong, Charmouth to Studland, um, along the south coast, like the Jurassic Coast. It is beautiful, but as you can imagine, it is fully, fully brutal. Um, so it was, yeah, 86 miles, 24-hour cutoff. I think it's about 9,000 foot of elevation. I went in there like an absolute novice. They were like, what have you done before? And I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and I went in there, did did the race. I was blogging about it. You can find that if you want to have a laugh. And um, the first half of the race took me, I think I did 40 miles in about seven and a half hours, which is stupid and way too fast um i got halfway and then my body basically said you're you're a knob what are you doing and i crumbled um and it took me the rest of the time to make it to the end of the race um which was you know the 24 hour calf i think i finished in 23 hours something i was so broken i think i tore both my calves i've been a bit a slight rip in my hamstrings i just couldn't walk i was a, a shell a shell of myself but I, I came back the, the next year, you know, having like completely scaled back my run training. I was just in the gym, just like, you know, doing stupid stuff. I'll be the one in the gym that would just be like bouncing around, throwing weights around in like um, in this fancy gym. And everyone else would be there all serious, like the triathletes on their bikes, looking at their watts. And there'll be me like seeing how many, how far I can throw a kettlebell down the gym and, you know, stupid things. But I went back and did the race again and I came fifth out of everyone and finished the race in about 19 hours, I think, which was about three and a half hours faster than I'd done before. Um, and I just really loved trail running. You know, trail running was my was my jam, but then I also did an Ironman um, and then that excel, um, excelled, accelerated into doing um, a double Ironman as well, which, uh, as I mentioned, was the Brutal Events one, which is one of the hardest in the world. I did a double of that, which was just stupid. Um, really enjoyed it, tested my mental um, ability, and that's kind of like what saw me through. You know, I'm a firm believer that your your mind will give up before your body. Um, so if you, if you know how far you can run, like I knew I could run for 24 hours, then, you know, that's my limit. I mean, that's my limit so far until I get beyond that. So I'd never give up until, you know, I was completely broken and I'd never not finished a race. Um, well done, Mark. Thanks a lot. Yeah, so that was kind of like a bit of a, a whistle-stop tour into, like, my endurance past and, like, places I'd worked. You know, I'd worked in festivals. I worked abroad. And then I ended up getting a job for um, the, the curly-haired man, Joe Wicks. Um, I was doing recipe development for him. 
rewriting all his recipes, giving him content ideas, all this kind of stuff, and pretty much became his, his stunt double for his hands with his leaning 15s, but um, we're not allowed to talk about that, so we'll swiftly skip on. And then I set up Le Gomme Chef, um, one, because I was bored of working for other people. I wanted to create a business where, you know, you know, like when you see companies and you're like, wow, that must be such a fun company to work for. I wanted to create a business where I could, you know, employ people to create fun, amazing experiences and like, you know, make it, make it cool because we have to work, you know, there's no escaping work. And if you can make work fun, then what better thing to do? So, you know, I love the outdoors. I love cooking. I love traveling. You know, I love making content. Um, and, you know, if I can turn Le Gomme Chef into something that, you know, encompasses all of those pillars, then, you know, we're on to a winner so um yeah stay, stay tuned um so yeah food you know food is deeply ingrained in my life um and this is what the podcast is all about you know i want to explore other people's experiences with food you know most of the people i'd be talking to are chefs or people that are in the industry and it's just amazing how diverse you know the the cooking world is and where it can take you you know, I always thought cooking was, you know, in a restaurant grinding away, you know, sweating, getting burnt. But, you know, I spent two years just developing recipes, just sitting there Googling, buying books and, you know, writing recipes. So there's so many opportunities out there. And I think that's something that we need to understand. And I think, you know, with food, it makes you feel, makes you feel funny. You know, everyone can like um, connect a, a foodie feeling to something. And, you know, that feeling when you're, you're so hungry. Like obviously I've done some endurance events and I mean, you're so hungry and you have a mouthful of food and then you just go, fuck, the world is, the world is good. And you know, that first slice of pizza when you have that naughty bit of pizza, Wah. but you know, food is, it's part of everyone's life and you know, you, you have to eat to survive. So you might as well enjoy it and we might as well be a bit respectful while we do it. And I understand, you know, as being a chef that, you know, cooking at home can be stressful and, this is where I, I kind of want to break down the barriers. And if I can bring, you know, some skills forward and show you how to do that, then and make life a little bit easier. And then we're winning. We are winning. Um, and, you know, because I deal in food waste, I'd, food waste can be so, as I said, so highbrow. And um, I think when people start talking about food waste, they're like, well, how am I meant to try this dish? If I don't like it, then I'm going to waste food. And I'm like, yeah, but we need to, you know, try it. We need to innovate. Food waste, if you was to take an avocado and you didn't even open it up and you threw it in the bin, that is, you're an idiot. But if you, for example, made a guacamole and then put too much lime in it and we're like, God, I actually can't eat this, but you tried, then you've tried to use that ingredient. And that's where I'm like coming at it from this simplistic approach. We can all be better. We can all, all, all be better. You know, and this is me, you know, I'm a very sort of normal, humble person. I don't want to use big fancy words like, you know, inspire and influence because it all feels a bit, you know, intense and weird, but you know, when I keep trying to come up with another word for it, that is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to inspire. I'm trying to influence. I'm trying to make you guys think about food waste in a better way. And food waste is really bad and scary and shit. But the simplest solution to climate change and food waste is to basically eat the food. You know, why is there so much waste? Why, why is there so much food waste? It's because we're greedy fuckers and we expect ingredients we want to be on the shelves in the supermarket. Otherwise, our day is ruined. And that's true. You know, we, we need to re sort of revert back to like the, our post-war ancestors and live a bit more, you know, a bit more simply, you know, like eat nose to tail or what do they call it? Tip to root and all that kind of stuff. We just take everything for granted of what we have on our shelves now. It's so disposable because, our you know, our incomes are better. 
there's more variety in our shelves and we expect it. You know, we want to eat Asian on a Thursday because we can go and get those ingredients. But what if we had to eat seasonally? What if we had to eat locally? We'd just eat what we had, but we're so greedy. We are so greedy. And because we're living, you know, not now because of COVID, but, you know, prior we were living a very, very fast-paced lifestyle. You know, we were like grab and go, haven't got time to think. And it's such a mad way to get. But now COVID's happened and we've had time to sit back and reset. I think we can take time to make decisions. We can take time to sort of like, you know, evaluate our food waste in our homes and we can all be a bit better. You know, I don't want you to be perfect. I, I just want you to be a bit better. No one's going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, I make food and I may make a bit too much, put it in the fridge. I'll have it as leftovers. A couple of days later, I'm like, you know what? I really don't fancy that food that's been sitting there for three days. And we move on. You know, we live and we learn, but we need to be better. Um, so, guys, I really hope you stick around and, you know, have a listen to my guests. There are some absolute rippers coming through. I've, I've queued up a few. I've got a guy called Vojtek who's coming in, uh, a Slovakian zero-waste chef. I've got my friend Connor Spacey who's a zero-waste chef and an amazing person who works at the UN. I've got my friend Nick lined up who works on a Thai yacht. Um, you know, there's so many, so many, so many things. Um, I really hope you guys stick around and, um, you know, listen to the rubbish podcast. It, it's not rubbish. It's just a play on words. Uh, I hope it's not rubbish anyway. Um, and I really hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to um, check out me. Check out me. Check me out. Check me out on um, lagomchef.com. I've got a full academy there, which is all free. I do tailored meal plans. And also Instagram, at lagomchef, uh, where there's lots of little quick tutorials um, and lots of fun and banter. So sticking around. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye-bye. The Rubbish Podcast. This is the Rubbish Podcast, hosted by the Lagom Chef.